You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, joined with my co-host Corey Bayou Benders, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. All right, it's good to be back, guys, after a brief hiatus. And uh, look, a lot has changed in the hockey world since I've been back. Unfortunately, I had to miss some time writing final exams at the Gonk, Algonquin College. And they kicked my ass enough as it, as it is, so I uh, <laughs> needed the time to study, but I'm back. And I'm happy to be joined once again by my friend Corey. How are you, buddy? I'm doing fine. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I just want to. It's great to have you back. Uh, Thank God, because it was tough lining up guests constantly. But uh, I just want to say I'm sorry for missing Wednesday's episode. I didn't even put it on social media as to why. Um, But I had had gotten COVID um, last Sunday, last Saturday, I believe, is when I felt the symptoms. Um, and spent an entire week just trying not to die. So Wednesday's episode was just so far from my, I guess, capabilities. So um, <laughs> I wanted to come on and just say I'm sorry and stuff like that. But I was so weak, I couldn't even leave my bed. Um, but I'm happy. I'm happy to be feeling better. Uh, you know, I'm pretty blessed to be feeling better. Because uh, someone with asthma and being overweight does not help. So... Uh, but I'm feeling in better spirits than it was before. But I just wanted to apologize for not having any content for you guys Wednesday and then not uh, making an announcement as to why. Um, I hope you guys can kind of understand <laughs> that uh, I was doing my best in my own room. Uh, I've lost so much weight just from eating fucking soup and nothing else, just basically liquids this entire time. But uh yeah, the NHL has fucking changed in a week since I've been gone, dude. Yeah, well, COVID, Omicron variant is making a big splash. Not only, I guess, close to home with you, happy you've recovered and feel better. Obviously, COVID is not something anyone wants to experience or go horrible. through. And I don't know if this is like with just the new strain or with COVID, period. But um, there was like two days, two days in a row where I was just one day I was rocking a piss and the next day I was just sitting and I was just standing in my kitchen and I, I guess it's from just being like having a fever, but I got, I got really lightheaded and then felt like really bad nausea and my leg started to collapse on from under me. So I don't know if that's something with this new strain, but I've never been like that in my life. And it scared the absolute shit out of me twice. Yeah. Well, thank God you got vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. That was a blessing. Not going to lie. Yeah. And I guess it just goes to show that I think personally myself, uh, you're one of the first people I know who's even contracted COVID. And it's hard, I guess. It's crazy when this whole thing's shutting down the world and you don't have a lot of perspective, but it just shows that COVID doesn't really care who you are. No, dude. What you're doing. I I don't even know where I got it from. Um, I thought maybe my cousin had brought it back from New York. You know, um, it was it. I I contracted it, I guess. Well, like the symptoms came in the night. Uh, the first night I saw him after his trip back, which was over a week um, since he had been back, but I know it can still linger. But we went to my other buddy's house who's getting married and we were just having a couple of drinks over there. And I just remember my, my allergies and stuff started acting up so bad over there. And I guess that 
uh, my immune system, my immune system weakened enough there at night that by like 3 a.m. I was like, something's really fucking wrong with me. Like, I just got like a bad fever out of nowhere. And then uh, I had to do like a breathing treatment and shit. Uh, I kept my fucking inhaler. I used to in high school, I'd have uh, I had like a, a, a metal chain and I fucking punctured a hole through my inhalers set rig and i just like kept it around my neck and i basically had to rebuild that uh this Uh. week and just keep it on me at all times but um dude it was tough i don't i don't wish anybody to go through that that is the worst sickness i've ever dealt with my entire life it was like every type of problem you can feel with your body like i'm still kind of like weak-winded right now um but like every possible thing that could be wrong with your body, like happened all at once. And you just immediately feel the effects. It's unreal. No, it's definitely not something I think anyone would wish upon their worst enemy. Awful. But we're happy you're feeling better. Happy that we're back recording this episode for the hockey podcast network and uh, getting to talk some Habs hockey. So thankfully the Habs suck. And uh, you didn't get, you didn't have to miss much. I didn't either, but uh, we both did watch the Philly game. And for those of you who may have not tuned in, the entire stadium was empty. And that's because Quebec is on lockdown. I live in Ottawa. I'm 15 minutes away from Gatineau. And let me tell you, it's fucking bad over there. And some of you of our listeners are probably from Quebec. Those of you who aren't, um, the explanation is uh, the Premier has shut down the province. Hockey games will be closed. I guess they text, they're not texted. They informed Montreal a few hours before the game and said, look, you can't have anyone. It was like an emergency. Like they, it was a very quick decision. So we feel bad for fans who may have, driven in from the east coast a lot of newfies a lot of new brunswick a lot of nova scotians who uh are habs fans so that sucks or just you know young kids having to explain that to them that's awful but the uh situation's serious in quebec 3600 cases on um saturday so (laughs) things are getting kind of wild over there and Needless to say, um, I can imagine that this is going to affect the NHL fairly soon. Yeah, uh, it makes you wonder, like, what uh, what we're going to see soon. First off, just uh, <laughs> I hadn't tuned in in the game the entire week, and I caught the Philly game, and I was so confused. I was like, something is so off about this game, and I don't fucking know what it is yet. Um, and then I realized there were no fans, and then – it really hit me and I was like, dude, like what the fuck's happening? <laughs> I was so fucking confused. Um, I just thought that I was feeling, you know, still fucked up. I was like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I'm just feeling off. There's nothing wrong with it. And I'm like, you know, it took me like fucking like an entire period to be like, there's no fucking fans here. That's, that's the problem. That's what's different. It's so fu- It's back to being just quiet. Um, but I'm so glad that you guys are taking the, uh, the precautions to do this shit the right way, because I unfortunately <laughs> have the Saints game right after Christmas this week, uh, on Sunday, then, um, <laughs> then I got the fucking, um, the new year's game, which I think is on a Wednesday, which is. Uh, by New Year's game, I mean the Sugar Bowls down here. So whoever's playing the Sugar Bowl, I have that game. And then I believe that's a Wednesday. And then Thursday night, there's the Saints game on the second. So I got three major games in like a one-week period. Um, and it scares the fuck out of me right now. I'm not going to lie. No, definitely. I think – I haven't heard any talk of the, <coughs> other, the other three of the four major sports – uh, talking about cancellations. I think I football is just trying to get through it. Like, if I'm being honest, college football is down to their playoffs. Um, and then the NFL is what, like week 15 or so? Like, I don't, I don't see Super them. Football getting... isn't 
Super Bowl isn't until February. Yeah, but I think there's only f- – I'm trying to think. Um, I guess I don't follow football enough to know anymore, but I've got to – Like, they've, they've got – I believe they've got they're two close. Months. Yeah. They've got to have, like, maybe yeah. four more games, you know, for each team, and that's it. So, they're probably just trying to force it, you know, just run it, run its course, just finish <laughs> out the season. I just – like I, I agree, that's probably what they're trying to do. I don't think it's I, smart. <laughs> football tends means. to lag behind other sports in terms of safety. What do you what do you say? <laughs> Mod, being modern, <laughs> yeah, like safety. Uh, like we said, though, the way COVID spreads, uh, the Omicron variant had thirteen hundred cases, and then in four days had thirty six hundred cases in Quebec, doubled. And that's a little over a week. So four weeks of how many thousands of fans coming into a stadium, that's not, that's not a good look. And I don't, I truly believe that at least in Canada, that isn't going to be up to the NHL anymore. I don't see, I don't just don't see how the NHL continues to operate. Um, And I also just going to throw it out there. You're not going to see NHL players at the Olympics this year. No. Um, one, you know, you were going to see a lot less players just on what would the, the regulations, if you did catch COVID out there and was not able, you weren't able to provide a, you know, a, a negative uh, COVID test after catching it. It's like three to five weeks stuck back in China. Um you know, I don't see a lot of people going just because of that. Now, what's going on? I mean, uh, the Habs, I know the Habs. I don't, I don't know what it is for the rest of Canada yet, but our next three games have been postponed. They're all, if I'm not mistaken, they're all, um, um, they're all U.S. teams at that, too. So, you know, I think that's a, I think that's the smallest thing we can do um, as far as, this team uh, trying to get a handle on what's happening that they, you know, that's kind of beyond their, beyond their reach at this point. Yeah. It's the Islanders, New York, and I believe Boston. Yeah. So Boston would have actually been yesterday. Um, Yeah. Fuck Corey. Jesus. Well, it's Uh, funny. uh, Jonathan Drouin actually came out a few days ago before the Boston game mm -hmm. and stated that he would not play against Boston Didn't feel comfortable. Which is totally respectable for and understandable, for right? That's how the players feel. And I have no base, no source, no, I don't know what you want to say, credibility or whatever, no inside here in the NHL. But I truly believe that, and as an outside perspective, an outside person looking in, that the NHL has 100% allowed this situation to fester and get mm-hmm. worse the way it has because they didn't want NHL players going to the Olympics to begin with. If the NHL actually gave a single shit about honoring the agreement they had with players, they would have shut down and postponed games as the players clearly wanted. And they would have made things safer and they would have stopped this before it got out of hand. What Gary Batman and the rest of the league has done is they've allowed this situation to get to the point in which we're like, we're not having the Olympics. It's not happening. Get it out of your thoughts. Russia's going to win. The KHL players are going to show like that's the NHL players are not going to China. And honestly, if things continue the way they are now, I don't know if Canada is going to China. Like it's, it's not looking good. And I really think it's a shame that the league has been so blatantly obvious about their disregard for the players' wishes. Players don't want to play, especially before the holidays. You saw guys saying, I can't remember who it was in Carolina. It might have been South – no, not Seth Jarvis. One of the Americans said, I just want to get the fuck out of Canada and get <laughs> home for the holidays. Because if you get it in Canada, you're not coming home, right? Yeah. And I don't know. I just think it's a shame. I don't think the league's hiding their intentions very well. Like I said, I have no – source or but i have eyes and i have ears and i can see what the league's doing and i think it's pretty 
disgusting or at least ignorant. Right. Um, well, I mean, fuck, they don't even want to admit there's a problem. You know, uh, I forgot what it was. I think, I think it was actually Gary Bettman's talk on the Olympics and, um, he just walked around the, the topic for like 10, 10 minutes and just reused the word, like a single word, like four or five times. Like, uh, I think it was the hockey collective had made like a, a counter for it and made a video out of it, you know, obviously like clickbait, you know, cause everybody watched it, but, um, Gary Bettman just looked lost for words as to what to do. They, it's, they're just running a course and fitting their own narrative. As you, as you said, like, uh, we don't want them at the Olympics. This is working into our hands, but now we're seeing the league basically shutting down. It's not like last year when, you know, like, uh, like a team like the the Devils was out for like 18, 18 days in a row, like no games. Um, well, and what's, what's we're really starting to God- see that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and it's a goddamn shame because what's going to happen is the season's going to be cut short. Mm-hmm. Ovi's, Ovi's, Ovi's you know, getting I, fucked again. Again. <laughs> um, but you're also going to see that debt the players owe. It's going to be, they're not going to be able to pay it off as soon. And for starters, they shouldn't owe any fucking debt to the owners. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that the players owe an escrow debt of a billion dollars or whatever the fuck it is that they have to pay off. Mm -hmm. Look, the owners, they didn't lose money last year. I don't care what you say. TV deals, they didn't fucking lose money. And it's, you think, you think they lost, the players lost more. Absolutely. They're the ones risking it, not the not the owners by by any means, you know. It's fucking disgusting, but that's the way the league operates. And now that's gonna be paid off later because players Mm -hmm. aren't gonna get to play and they're gonna lose money. And that is the league's fault. This league is not like you said, it's we say the NFL isn't doing a good job of protecting their players, neither is the NHL right now. Um, you know, it's crazy. Um, the women's leagues don't get as much coverage as they should, but one of the one leagues that did the right thing last year was the, the NHL equivalent for women's. I think it's the premier, uh, that was the NWHL, whatever, whatever. I know it's, I know it's something new now. It's like professional something federation. Um, But they did it right. They just straight up quit in the middle of their playoffs. Um, and I believe they picked up like the first game back was the their Stanley Cup equivalent. Like they did not risk anything with their people. And which is crazy because you would think that it would have been such a young, a brand newish league, you know, doesn't have a lot of backing like uh, like the big four does that they would risk, you know, losing everything. Like the uh, THPN was scheduled to work with, uh, I think it was three ice or whatever it was going to be called. And it was like uh, the NBA has got this, uh, well, basketball has got the, this thing where it's like three on three games. It's called the big three. Um, and you see like a lot of o- old players that were like more finesse players, but just couldn't keep up with like how fast paced the game had gotten. Um, they go to this league and it's basically just a pickup game uh, of just, I guess, the equivalent of like a, a three on three overtime, you know, like a chance it's to like, like really it's like be alumni. Yeah, yeah, alumni, yeah. a lot of finesse moves, like and one style. Um, they were going to have the equivalent of that for hockey. And um, I forgot, I forgot which um, the old Pittsburgh Penguins uh, GM. Um, one of the Patricks um, was going to be the president of it. And I was excited. I was like, Oh, cool, man. We we're going to get like, you know, the network is going to get, is going to get in on this in, in some fashion. And uh, that thing completely tanked because of COVID. It didn't even get off, you know? No. So for like the women's league to like realize there's a problem, refuse to cause any problems within uh, the players and the league itself, 
we're going to pause until this is kind of over with, but at least calm back down. Cause I think a couple of players ended up getting it that were in the playoffs. Um, and then they just canceled the rest of the season. Whereas this, we're not doing that. Um, I think we got like six guys on just our team that just have COVID now. Um, I mean, what the fuck are we supposed to do as a league when someone like Gary Bettman and the leaders aren't taking the precautions until the country itself, like a country like Canada and your provinces decide provinces that they, that they need to step up because I think that's inevitably what uh, ended, you know, any border traffic between teams. Cause I think all of Canada has stopped now, not just Quebec. Um, no U.S. Um, so teams are coming up. Ontario's restrictions did get bigger, um, much to the alarmment of a 19-year-old college student. Bars now stop serving alcohol at 10 o'clock, which is ridiculous. Um, understandable. And understandable, I suppose, but definitely annoying, frustrating. Uh, I can't remember. Gatherings are getting limited they're smaller now and uh sporting events are not totally canceled the leafs are allowed to have less i don't remember how many and that's a whole debacle people are upset that the ticket holders are getting you know priority but at the same time like they're ticket holders season ticket holders i think they kind of deserve it personally but some people have an issue with it and yeah, like you said. Look, if you want to risk catching it, like, I'll be honest with you, dude. Until I caught COVID, I was down to do – like, I was down to go to a game. I was down to hang out with the boys every fucking weekend, uh, go to parties, you know, like, go to concerts. I was down to do fucking anything. I was down to go back to the city and have beers at a bar, you know, like, be social, go out to dinner. Dude, fuck that. Like, I wouldn't (laughs) – look, I haven't been to an NHL game. I haven't been to a hockey game outside of, like, Louisiana. I wouldn't fucking go to a game anytime soon anymore. Like, you're not catching me fucking – you're not catching me doing that. Like, while Mason's fucking talking, I literally have this fucking thing muted (laughs) so I can catch my fucking breath right now. It's unreal. Like the taxing that it, you know, the taxing your body goes through just to get over this shit. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's kind of uh, ironic that a league that preaches, um, you know, doing things the right way and being respectful and all this bullshit is the same league that's just kind of, what are you, limping? You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. all about respect and all this bullshit. And pull up, pull up your fucking fantasy league right now. And look like at all the limping, guys. Limping is an Ugh. understatement. You, God forbid, you had a, a tough start to the week this week because you're fucked. At this point, you're fucked. I had four guys play today. You know, like you want to if if you're not up to date on like the entirety of the league. Just look at your fantasy team. Like, if, if they don't have COVID, they're postponed because the team they're playing has COVID. Or they're, they're supposed to be slotted to play in a, a Canadian team. And it's just not happening. Oh, I – It's unreal. I just don't – I don't know how this season continues. And it sucks for guys like us, too. And, you know, not, not trying to say we're the biggest victims in this. We're a very small – like you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna take it to fucking claims court. I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Like, but three years of just having to talk about movies, music, like anything but hockey. Yeah, I'm just um, teasing. Continue. No, but it does suck too, right? Because we're we're so excited, and passionate as fans to watch this team get Shane right. And- <laughs> No, actually, to be honest, I think Habs fans are in the best possible situation. I think the only fans that are happier right now are Arizona because 
Jesus Christ, that organization's a dumpster fire as always. And uh, you know, Stop at least on, our- the re- on on the on the, the desert dogs, man. Come on, man. Give them give them a break. This is I what signed- they deal with every year, and it's I signed- miserable. I signed a peace treaty with that organization and their fans on good faith and on the basis that they hit rock bottom and I was just kicking them when they were down. I didn't know it was possible for a team to hit an even lower depth, but the Arizona Coyotes found a fucking way, Corey. They didn't pay their arena rent for a year and a half. Open, man. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> How are they a team? Hey, man, maybe they gave him a break, you know? Oh, my God. Like, every time – I really do feel bad for Coyotes fans because they're great and they're passionate. But, oh, my God, does your organization continue to just become a laughing stuff? Like, what a dumpster fire. I have a soft spot for the Arizona franchise because I feel like it's what I would expect a New Orleans franchise to be is just diehard fans and it's just not working in the city. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's just not working. So it's like the fans are just, will do anything for this team, but God itself is not working with them in the desert. Um, but they ever see it, so they continue, they they continue on. Um, so I it's guess honest, I guess they just hit my heart a little bit more than you. It's like watching someone with like multiple stab wounds who just keeps getting up and like putting a band-aid over it and just going, Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, that's a nothing badass. to see here. That's I'm a fine. Badass. It's I don't, yeah, I don't know what else I can say about them. I kind of hate, like, it, I have hatred because they're, they're so fucking bad. They're going to rob us of the fucking first overall pick. Like, how do you compete with a tank like the Arizona Coyotes? Well, I think, I think you should just start a petition to try to get Steve Eisenman over there. Because, um, I mean, um, look what he's doing I don't with even Detroit. Think Stevie Y could fix that mess. <laughs> um, did you hear uh, coyotes are talking about trading to churn yeah yeah I, I did see that and uh you know uh i'm kind of happy that mb's not here because that what ended here but you're you're rebuilding and you want to trade away your fucking how old is he 23 24 year old superstar defenseman yeah, that, that Seems entire a little place is a little wonky. Um. <laughs> speaking of trading away star defensemen, though. But you got to love them. <laughs> yeah, speaking of trading away star defensemen, uh, as the trade deadline approaches, well, we'll see what goes on in the league. Um, teams are looking to acquire help from the blue line. Maybe some guys who are solid defensively who can put the puck in the back of the net. And Montreal's star defenseman, Ben Sherratt, seems to be a hot hot commodity in the league. Talks about him getting a first-round pick as compensation. And uh, Friedman saying, you know, there aren't – not naming names. Look, we all know that that's fucking Ken Holland on the other <laughs> end, right? The Oilers are 100%. Going to give Montreal a first-round pick for Ben Sherratt, and I am all here for it. I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. Uh, well, maybe not with COVID. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, but even even if things – like if this COVID uh, wave ha- didn't pop up when it did, I don't think that we see uh, Jeff Gordon make this move. I mean, he's already came out publicly and said that they're not making – he's not looking to move any pieces in this organization until he, until he gets a GM. Um I don't now I I think he's capable of doing it on his own, you know, making a move like this, but I don't I mean he's done said it twice. He's not trying to move uh he's he's not trying to rework this team 
until he has the pieces needed in office. I don't foresee Montreal taking that long to acquire a GM. Uh, there's been talks. There's like 12 candidates, three of which are women, which is awesome. By the way, fucking awesome. And I just, I know you, I think Jeff Gordon definitely is going to live by his word in that regard. But I think Jeff Gordon has definitely probably already been on the phone with people. If you know what I mean, like I'm sure a deal once that GM is in place, I could see Sherat moving fairly quickly. And most of the time, as we know, these deals get, they're not just overnight. They're in the works for weeks, if not months beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like Pacioretty, Pacioretty's deal was in the works for a while. Now, I, think, we, yeah. I think you could see him talking, you know, like feel, getting feelers out there, lying the word to do it. But unless he has the GM, I don't see him doing it. But I don't, like you're saying, though, I wouldn't be surprised if we select the GM um, and then within like a week or so after that, he gets moved if he's, if he's planned to be moved. You know, mm-hmm. I can see that totally happening. Um, like laying down the groundwork and then just once you're having the GM – Okay, these are this is what I've been doing since we've been trying to bring you in. Um, we have this lined up, and then and Sherrod goes for a first overall, which would be fantastic. Uh, yeah, but that's I think the biggest thing house fans have to be worried for is the trade value of our players. Guys like Ben Sherrod have increased their trade value profusely, but guys like David Savard. Um, Petrie, Defoli, <laughs> uh, dare I say, Brendan Gallagher. Um, their trade value not only isn't going up, hasn't gone up. It's at a pretty all, all-time low, I would say, for a lot of them. Uh, teams might also be hesitant to acquire people when they don't know what's going on with the season. Mm-hmm. And in Montreal's position, that's not good. Montreal wants to deal from a position of strength. And they want to acquire picks. And teams are probably not going to be very hastily – not very hastily, sorry. That was horrible English. Oh, don't worry about that, Not going to be that eager to get rid of picks for players who might not even end up playing on their team, like Ben Sherratt, who, if the season's canceled, has played his last game as Montreal Canadian because he's a free agent. Yeah. And that is the worst case scenario for Montreal. Like absolute Arizona Coyotes worst case scenario. <laughs> Jesus. Oh man. Well, look, here's something that we haven't talked about. Um we haven't talked, we haven't, well, I mean, we haven't been together to talk about it, but uh Jeff Petrie's uh after game conversation with the media about the uh the workings. Loved I loved it too. Uh in fact. That's if leadership. I, if I'm a GM, I'd pick up somebody like that. I want a guy who's no holds barred, is going to say, tell it just like it is, especially in times of doubt. Fuck Dom Ducharme. <laughs> Dominic Ducharme's response was so arrogant to me. I don't know if you heard it. Yeah, he was like, we, we were going to have like a talk or, or some, some I, shit. I had a conversation. This. Yeah, I had a Thanks, conversation. Thanks, parent. You sound like a stepdad. Like we yeah, we will whatever. we have talked to the child. Uh, he will not back talk in class anymore. Just like it's a it's a devastating up. season. It's in the midst of COVID. You've put so much pressure on Jeff Petrie. Um, I don't care what anyone says. If twenty five games into the season, a consummate professional who is very soft-spoken. Jeff Petrie doesn't – how often do you hear him talk to the media? Let alone, like, are his interviews ever interesting? He doesn't – you know what I mean? He just does his thing, keeps his head down. For yeah. him to go out there and say something like that, like, that's not just – It was a very Shea Weber-esque uh, moment. I don't, I don't even know if Weber would have gone that far. To say to say that 
there's he basically said there's no system and no one knows what's going on. He's saying Ducharme. You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not shitting on the boys there. Who creates this? It's Ducharme. And Dominic Ducharme, in my outside looking in perspective, he's seems to be losing the veterans. And you can see even in the way they play. The young guys get frustrated. They're losing creativity. When was the last time you saw Suzuki do something creative? When was the last time you saw Caulfield? You know, like, I actually, the Philly game was a good game for him. But, mm-hmm. you know, it just seems like John Tortorella, get that creativity out of my game type bullshit is going on with the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens. Because young players come in, like Jesse Alonen, with this flair and this finesse. And you're like, wow, these guys are fun to watch. This is awesome. And by two weeks into their tenure with the Habs, they're going up and down the ice. They're dumping the puck in. They're fucking playing lazy, losing hockey. And I don't want a coaching change in Montreal purely because of the fact that a coaching change usually turns into Bruce, there it is, and you go 6-0 and like the Canucks and completely ruin your tank. <laughs> but if Montreal is going to lose like this and see no development from their young players, you got to fucking fire Dom Ducharme and just put Luke Richardson in charge or do something because it's very clear to me that he is not ready to coach in the National Hockey League. Yeah. He's just not. I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm still I'm still very down to just let him finish out the season and uh, and then just, move on from there. But it's this has been tough. It's Bergevin's worst move, and I say that as some Bergevin let the whole KK debacle happen. And was it the right move to not sign the offer sheet? Yes. Yeah. But you, you lost him. KK is tied for the league in Montreal, Montreal goal scorers. He's got seven on the year. He only plays 13 minutes night in Carolina. There's potential there. Do I think Carolina's squandering it a little bit? Yes, but there is potential there. Montreal lost him. You then traded that pick for Christian fucking Dvorak. It's been a while. The second... <laughs> The second that trade was made, you couldn't have got a first round pick for him. You, it was, you know what I mean? You weren't getting a first rounder for Christian Dvorak five minutes after that trade was made. But you've got the Sergachev deal. You've got not signing Markov or Radulov. You've got all these fucking mistakes Bergevin made. And the worst one, his creme de la terrible, was leaving us with fucking Dominic Ducharme on a three-year contract extension. Like, just terrible. How afraid are you for this team if Jeff Gordon uh, doesn't do what a normal, you know, brand new uh, (laughs) president does and just lets them rot it out? If, If some... Look, I hate making... Grand. Bye to the future. <laughs> I hate making huge predictions and saying I guarantee it, but I fucking guarantee it. If Dominic Ducharme is the head coach for this team, this team will not have any goddamn success for as long as he is the head coach. You will not see our young players progress. You will not see anything interesting. You will not enjoy watching hockey. This guy is terrible. He couldn't see that Kale McCarr. He benched Kale McCarr. Alexander Romanov, what does this guy have to do for you to trust him on the fucking power play? Because we haven't even talked about him. The guy goes out there and kills the entire penalty now. He plays two minutes every penalty kill. Blocks about eight shots a game. He's ridiculous. He's playing the best hockey of his life. And he's on the third pair. I I really think that 12-year-old fucking AE fourth liners could coach better hockey than Dominic Ducharme. 
and say you can say, oh, he got the cups, the Habs to the Stanley Cup. I mean, Luke Richardson coached for half of that, and you had Carey Price. Like any coach can ride a hot goalie, <laughs> and and to take it one step further, I really do think the Stanley Cup playoff run Habs. I could have coached that team success to success because what they did was very effective, but very simple. When the best forward came on the ice, when the other team's top line came on the ice, you put Dano out there. When the team's second best line came on the ice, you put Weber and Sherrod out there. And then you let Armia, Eric Stahl, Corey Perry, Nick Suzuki feed on the rest. Mm-hmm. That's all you did. And you <laughs> just hoped Carey Price made 45 saves. <laughs> oh, fuck. Like, the key to the have success. It was, though. Like, looking back, it really was. And I don't think Dominic Duchamp was brilliant. at all proved. It was, it was, <clears throat> it was like to the T when they say, like, you know, like simple, simple works best. You know, like that is literally what we did. We just <laughs> we we used like hockey for dummies, you know, and it it fucking worked. And you know what's funny? Just to add to that, Philip Deneau with the LA Kings is now on pace for 12 goals, 42 points. Making just under six mil a year, five point five, I believe, five point six, mm-hmm. something like that. Philip Deneau's average with the Montreal Canadiens was twelve goals, forty-two points every year. And he's, he's doing for it again. Like six years. He's doing it again. And I know this is. It was a, literally an off year, and we. But we couldn't it bite wasn't on. because. If you looked at the end of the year, he was back on pace mm-hmm. in an 82 game season for those numbers. And I know we're we're outliers in the Habs community for saying this. I think we both said for five and a half million dollars, bring back Phil Deneau. And I think Absolutely. only our only <laughs> it, we're bringing back the past, but our only reasoning for not was saying you kk needs the time kk and then when when kk got moved on i was like we couldn't give this man 0.5 we couldn't give this man half a million to stay yeah fucking trademark of this city he's fucking beloved here yeah he had an off year this dude was did wonders for this team and you say he had an off year, but he shut down Austin Matthews. He shut down Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler and Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah, no one was talking shit. Down. No one was talking shit about him during the fucking playoff run because we were just a fucking well-oiled machine. But during the way, he was the the fucking Dino of the season, which I'm so glad that that hatred's over with. And I admit I was I took part in that like fucking two three years ago, but they treated him so bad his last year, and then the playoffs they were like, "God, he's amazing!" Just like Carey Price, he still got it, you know. Just like Shea Weber, he still got it. Like, and it was unreal. <sighs> and then yeah, it's it ends, and they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, we still can't do point five. Sorry about that. Uh, go get a pizza deal out in L.A." Fucking my selfish, dude. It's so it's so fucking selfish. To see how happy we were during that playoff run. Yeah. <laughs> and I think even back then I was appreciating it, but I wish I could have appreciated it a little more. Yeah. I, I, didn't uh, think, I didn't think we were going to be this bad. <laughs> I didn't either, actually. So I had great hopes for this year, for this year. I was um, like, wow, we can build off of this. KK's going to get 50 next year. Suzuki's going to get 70. It's going to be great. Yeah, I didn't think we were going to be fucking, you know, like leading the pack. <laughs> I figured we'd, we'd stumble a bit, but uh, fuck, we're using like a AA points, triple A points right now to try to get this fucking 
this wagon off the side of the fucking road. It's disheveled, fucking beat down, run down. Need to get my CAA, CAA membership. The fucking worst of it. But uh, before we go any further, I'm going to try to get the long capacity to do an ad read by our sponsors over at DraftKings. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NHL game, NFL game. <laughs> but with the latest no-brainers from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a win- you'll be a winner once a single a single point scored. New customers who bet just one dollar on any team to score can win one hundred dollars in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings daily fantasy sports contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars, millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposits. Remember, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Whew. Use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets if they do. You score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dude, that was tough. That was tough. When I was a kid, uh, I had asthma, but I played a lot of sports. So I would always have to go to the doctors and do like an asthma test where they put me on a fucking treadmill and my mom would laugh her fucking ass off at me because I had like a (laughs) Squidward-esque like tentacle thing hooked to my fucking nose and mouth and I would breathe into it and it would check my ratings and shit and I could never get it done they always kicked my mom out the fucking room for laughing at me and I'd get so fucking embarrassed but that's what it felt like was doing that ad read post-covid uh dude that sucks so bad that sucks so bad on my fucking lungs <laughs> that's what it reminded me of because they'd be like okay you're gonna breathe in real deep and you're just gonna force all the air out and we're gonna see what you're capacity is and, and how how hard you can breathe and i'd always be like fucking i think i'm gonna pass out because it's just too much for me and they'd be like just keep going and i'd fucking get lightheaded but uh yeah dude fuck covid this shit sucks this shit sucks so bad dude i feel like my now you know i just went to the doctor and they said my lungs were doing good but i feel like i'm breathing at like the capacity of like 30% of what I normally am. And then it's normally bad because I have asthma and my asthma is always bad in like Louisiana winter, which is 56 degrees. And then the next day it's 80 and then it rains like a solid piss and it goes, drops back down to like 60. So saying that it's just unreal how, out of shape my lungs are now because of this sorry i'm just quickly looking up what 56 degrees is yeah it's uh it's a it's 13. a 13 oh it's, it's a canadian's uh day out playing golf it's a canadian shorts weather it's real nice Fucking minus minus 10 today for me what's that so I think you that's add twenty, add thirty five degrees. It's fourteen degrees Fahrenheit. Nice, nice. I was gonna say somewhere in the twenties, but I was gonna get that wrong. Obviously, you've got to like multiply it and then plus by like one point. I literally add one point eight and then thirty five degrees, and I'm normally kind of close. You have to multiply by one point eight and add thirty two. That's the conversion. Oh, shit. I've been doing it wrong my entire life. No, I'm kidding. I learned this last year with you because we did the weather during COVID because yeah. there's nothing to talk about. And it seems like hey. that's that's where we're heading back to. Canadian nursing student have to learn about Fahrenheit. Huh. Who knows? Who knows? You never why. know when you need it. 
Yeah, I guess. You never know. If any, if any Americans wander into our public <laughs> health care system, I need to convert, I guess. Oh, dude. Yo, you guys should have, like, laminated charts just for us for, like, you know, like, what's a meter? Um, what, what's, you know, the, the the degrees difference over there? Um, well, I don't – I really don't understand why Americans have such a difficult time with the metric system. Because we're not we, – we're not taught it. We're not taught it at all. It's taught like yeah, one but year it's school. so it's so easy to remember because everything increases by ten. We got to do things our own way, you know that, but we got to stand I, on our own. You say that, but you're you know fuck the British, one independence, and you're the only country that still uses their <laughs> their numbers. Well, we're like the youngest, one of the youngest countries. You know, we still think that we know it all. We're younger. Yeah, but. You guys, you guys came from like smarter. In the, guys, di- in the divorce, you guys stayed with the smarter, educated parent. You guys we went with did, like the uncle. You guys had this cool story of how you got your independence. You fought for it. We kind of just hmm. asked politely and got it. Yeah, but we didn't. Anyhow, that's why it we just reminds. Sorry, this whole conversation reminds me of. Uh, that episode of How I Met Your Mother where Barney gets beat up in a Tim Hortons. He goes to a hospital and he goes, they fixed my arm and didn't even charge me, fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I've never, I'm, dude, I've tried so hard to watch that show and I just can't. Oh, I, I, I liked it when I was a kid because uh, it had the girl from uh, American, American Pie. Pie and it had... Um, What's his name? Her husband or whatever, I think. Is Jason Siegel. Jason, yeah. Uh, which was in Freaks and Geeks when I was a kid. Great show. And then he later became like, I mean, he was in SLC Punk. Uh, one of the best characters out of that fucking film. Um, he was in a bunch of shit. So I was like, I figured I'd like it. And then it's got, um, what's his name? The guy who played Barney. I was like, Neil oh, Patrick Harris. it's got fucking Doogie, Doogie Hauser, you know? So, okay, what what is I just found out about Doogie Hauser? Oh, is it because they have the 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 new version of the Doogie Hauser on on Disney Channel? No, because I watched um, Neil Patrick Harris was on like Jimmy Kimmel or something, mm-hmm. and I was bored. You know, you get on like YouTube late at night and you're watching like they have all these short clips from Jimmy Kimmel's show. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I yeah, saw well, well, the clips. Yeah, and I saw I saw Neil Patrick Harris, who I fucking love, and found out was gay like three years ago and was absolutely shocked. (laughs) And because you just know him as Barney, basically. Yeah, as a womanizer, and he's Uh and I was like, what the fuck? Everyone seems what is that? Am I just too young? Yeah, absolutely. Because I was actually thinking about you earlier about the regular show and i think you were like eight years old when i was like mm-hmm. yeah eight, you had to be like eight years old when i was 18 19 watching getting high as fuck watching regular show with my friends but uh doogie hauser i think it came out late 80s early 90s um he was just this it was his breakout role where he just played a doctor at the age of like 12 and, oh, and that's like that's the genius. that's the premise of this show uh, was that he would think he was smart as fuck, but would think kind of outside the lines and it worked, you know, because doctors were stuck thinking one way. It was like a very Patch Adams, if you know what that is, kind of thing. He wasn't like super funny in those regards, like laughter is the best medicine, but like would think outside the box and the shit ended up always being right. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't like, it was a little bit before my time. <laughs> But I knew what it was just because it was every time Neil. Well, when Neil Patrick Harris was getting his break as an adult, he was every you know my parents and their generation was like, "Oh, it's Doogie Howser." Yeah, so Doogie Howser. That's all I know. I know. I I was rewatching because I have this thing. I like watching shitty action movies. 
Oh yeah, I was watching fucking Star Trip, Starship Troopers, and Neil Patrick Harris is in that. Oh, it's too. a great film. What are you talking about? It's got that rock sh- from the fucking eighties in it. It's a shit movie. It's, oh, it's amazing. It's a shit movie. It's amazing. It's an amazing film. I mean, The Fast and the Furious is one of my favorite films, so I can't really talk oh, shit. Dude, I was in the third grade when that came out, and I remember I was so upset. I was so upset with my friend. We were going on a field trip. This is so, so whack. This is so like a whack, dude. But we were going on a field trip, and my best friend didn't include me and his his field trip group because I hadn't seen the film, and it was only <laughs> it was only fans. Like he was creating the gang from fucking Don Toretto's gang. Yeah, 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 Toretto's gang. And I was like, That's I'm awesome. gonna go see it this Friday. This is bullshit. You know, like. How can you do this? And I was with my other friend Schmaltzy. I ended up like going with his group and I pouted the entire day because I was just like, my friend doesn't like me because I haven't seen this stupid fucking movie about racing yet. But like I was big into like initial D and I was like, these idiots don't even watch initial D. So what's the fucking point? I'm sure it's just a ripoff of initial D, which it ended up being. Like if you watch, I, I guess it's not anime, like the right? biggest. Yeah, it's like a fucking OG anime. Um, really good. It's like uh, I forgot what they call those types of animes that are more like slice of life. I think it is. It's like something like that, but it's it's all about racing. And it was like high tech back in the day. It uses like um, like one of the first computer animated graphics that just look real clunky and shit for for like the race scenes. And then it's just like OG watercolor, like okay. 80s, 90s uh, animation style. It, except for when the cars drive, then it's like this clunky ass 90s McDonald's <laughs> fucking play area shit. It's awesome. It's so well. Retro. That's why. That's why I love the Fast and the Furious because it reminds me of when I grew up. Like, I'm not a 90s kid, mm-hmm. but I grew up in the early 2000s and like that which was an amazing song (laughs) i feel like it's just an extension of the late 90s Mm -hmm. for the most part and so it just reminds me of like that that just fucking era of just and all the all the fucking trailers in a world (laughs) where a guy is a badass and like you know what i mean like they were all like that and I, I just love that movie. Not not because it's a great movie, but because of the nostalgia. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, I have so many shitty movies that I've seen that I can I could send your way that you'd probably fall in love with because it's just so fucking horrible, but it's just, like, lovable. Like, fucking Hackers. Hackers has got to be one of my favorite films ever made. Um, and it's... <laughs> I tried to watch it with my wife, and she was like, this is... I can't say the word, but this is one of the giest movies I've ever seen in my entire oh, life. God. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so upset. I'm like, this movie is a fucking masterpiece. What are you talking about? And it's, it looks bad. It looks bad, but it's like so 90s that it's amazing. It's got Matthew Lillard in it. And Angelina yeah. Jolie. And the kid from Batman. Great film. But fuck, dude, we're rambling. Um... We, so we, might as, we might as well walk walk away from this one. <laughs> yeah. It usually usually what tends to happen in a season that's going the way Montreal's is we find ourselves talking about other things. <laughs> but if you have any parting thoughts, then I guess now would be the time to get them out of the way. No, I need to go use my nebulizer, my nebulizer and go get a, an asthma treatment. So I'm ready. All right. Well. Thank you guys once again for supporting us and for understanding why we had no episode Wednesday. Unfortunately, I had a final to write and Corey almost died. Said, was getting through. Yeah. <laughs> getting through death, dying. visiting the Grim Reaper. So we appreciate your understanding. We hope to not have any more interruptions for the time being. I currently on break. Corey is hopefully on the fast track to being fully recovered very soon. So we appreciate your time for coming and listening and we'll hope to uh, 
hope to have some hockey to keep talking about, although it's not looking good. So without further ado, that'll be it for Pat Sightly today. Appreciate you guys listening. Can't wait to hear you guys next time. Happy holidays. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.